One of the themes that run through this fourth series connects two different ideas that are intimately related but not often seen in the same context. You will know if you've listened to many of the earlier episodes that I've said a lot about determinism and particularly in the context of the philosophical thought of the Russian emigre Lev Shestov and how I either think that the determinist hypothesis is false or meaningless. What it certainly isn't is true. My strongest instinct is that it simply doesn't mean anything at all or nothing that's worth saying or that whatever it might be thinking it says is talking about something that it has managed to find a way of naming but a name that although we think it has a sense has no reference. There isn't anything out there that the word determinism refers to. The question that this raises for me is the one about how we break out of systems that are built to be self-confirming, self-reinforcing, self-authenticating, closed and incapable of revision. Because whatever determinism is or isn't, it certainly pretends at least to be one of those. After all, if we live in what the determinist likes to call a deterministic system, then there just is no new thing under the sun. There may appear to be, in our blindness and ignorance, we may wake up one morning and see something and think, oh, that's new, but it isn't really new. It's just something that has emerged from what was there yesterday. I'm not going to go into this again. I find the whole argument intensely frustrating and irritating because I just don't think that people have properly defined what on earth they mean by a word like new when they talk for or against it. But I do think that we know what we mean when we say that systems are self-reinforcing, self-confirming, and that they exercise a controlling influence over our minds that if we permit them to do so will enslave us to their ways of thinking. And the cyclical process that I have described in recent episodes whereby the whole world imagines that because what makes us happy is consumerism or prosumerism we must work in order to earn money in order to buy the things that will make us happy, the things that our work in fact manufactures. And so we have an education system that services that same reinforcing system. All of this amounts to a self-reinforcing system which leads us to say things like, well, no alternative will ever work. But many people will also say no alternative is even conceivable. The way that the objections to the system tend to be neutralized, the way the system immunizes itself against them, is to say that the only people who really seriously try to behave and live in accordance with any alternative are some kind of social dropout. 
And in many parts of the world, anybody who doesn't conform to social norms runs at least the risk of being thought to be mentally ill. This links back to the mad, bad or sad accusations that we've come across so many times before. If you imagine that on the left hand you have determinism as an example of a self-reinforcing, self-authenticating system, albeit one that doesn't actually have a reference, and on the right you have a system of self-reinforcing political and economic so-called realities that systematically excludes all possibilities that things might be different or that anything else could possibly work, you can probably see how these two things amalgamate into a general problem of how do we get out of this prison? How do we escape from the self-limiting but also self-confirming system that's actually the problem, not the solution? And here, let me remind you of, I think I've mentioned this at least once, perhaps more times, the notion of a protection racket. A protection racket, as we use the term in English, means an attempt by a gangster, usually, to persuade a shopkeeper or some business that he will provide them with protection against the people who might do them harm when he is, in fact, the person who will be most likely to do them harm. And that is what I mean, not just in the gangster sense, but generally by a protection racket, something that is that presents itself as a solution, usually the solution to a problem, that it is itself the main cause of. Not only a capitalist system, but the extraordinary uh, phenomenon of what you might call a Marxist-Leninist capitalism or a capitalist collectivism that you can see currently in certainly China and, and increasingly so in Russia. That any system that is based upon the notion that people have to be taught things to make them employable and their employment will consist of work that produces goods that they will then need to buy with the proceeds from their employment in order to make them happy, so that the whole system goes around and around and around, that system is, I am saying, a protection racket. It presents itself as a solution to the problem of human unhappiness, namely, if you have more stuff, you will be happier, which I think is a deception or even a lie, it presents itself as the solution to that problem, but in a way that it is itself responsible for creating the problem that it has created all by itself. Yes, you may perfectly well say, but that's the way things have always been. Ever since we first lived or emerged on this planet and lived in caves and were hunter-gatherers and then became agricultured and so on, all of these histories, they're, they're well known and they're well documented and we understand them perfectly well, but they are a system. And the point, to go back to where we started, is that the system as it is is not deterministic. We do not have to live this way. We may historically have had very little alternative because for so long human beings have been fighting a battle, sometimes a losing battle, 
against nature and the forces that govern the world. But we are now emerging from that. We now have unprecedented power, unprecedented control over the world. And that, of course, is not only partly our salvation, but also the source of the problem from which we need salvation. The whole climate change, sustainability, environmental, etc. that we are all so concerned about. Yes, we don't need to deny that this is how things have always been. What we should deny is that that then therefore means that that's how they must always be in the future. Because no alternative will ever work. No alternative, we are told, by the system will ever work. The system becomes self-confirming, self-reinforcing, self-authenticating, self-immunizing against any suggestion that things could be different. The central point of particularly this episode, but it's really been running through all the episodes we've had so far, is that there is, and let me repeat, a conspiracy without conspirators. I don't think any group of people has single-mindedly set about designing this. I think this is just the way we have evolved, just the way Topsy has grown. But we are now in a position where we have a chance to change things. If we can find a hearing, if we can get purchase on, if we can make landfall and reach some sort of critical mass in which instead of pretending, as so often we do, that we can find a solution to our problems that will allow us to carry on with the system essentially as it is, a kind of low carbon, low emission, low resource solution, instead we might actually need a different system. The system is broken. But the system won't acknowledge that it's broken because it's a protection racket and far too many people have far too much invested in continuing with it exactly the way it is. And you can see this absolutely everywhere you look. You can see it in politics, you can see it in economics, you can see it in business theory, you can see it in the way we attempt to mend our lives but not mend them by changing fundamental assumptions. And the fundamental assumption that we need most to change is the assumption that we can solve our qualitative problems using quantitative solutions.